People forget to ask that question sometimes. And sometimes like, there are big things are going on. And as a leader, you have to listen to that and be like, hmm, I'm not going to get 100% of you today because that's going on and that's okay. But let's figure out what the better time to do this is because I'm not going to, you're not here. You know, you might say hmm. you are, but you're not. I know I wouldn't be. Your entire team ticks differently. It is not a one shoe fits all. And so you have to really understand what their pros what their cons are, and how to approach each person. Because some people, I can tell immediately, hey, I think you could do better here with this. Great. Love it. What else could I do better? I have other people, very sensitive. It's also like, hey, do you think about maybe doing this instead? You know, that might be a good idea. Just a thought for you. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented, competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin the show, I have something for you. The Rising Leader Handbook is going to be published in October of this year, but you don't have to wait. If you go to my website, www.markjsilverman.com, click the red button, you can get an advanced copy of the executive summary of the Rising Leader Handbook. In the same place, you can get a copy of Only Tens. Love to get your feedback. Now on with the show. So last year I was at my coach's mastermind and big event, Rise and Record. Brandon T. Adams introduced me to some of the most amazing people on earth. And I've been working with him for quite a while. But I was at Rise and Record last year and I was sitting next to this young lady. We were just chatting away and I fell in love. Like, I just, I like, I want this woman to be my best friend. I'm going to join his mastermind so I can be near her. Just really enjoy it. Then I found out she was one of the keynote speakers for the event. And she was talking about how nervous she was, because even though she's been a businesswoman and very successful for a while, this coming out into the world and really shining on a stage or on camera was new to her. And I was, I was being so supportive and I was being so kind and all that. Oh, there, there, you're going to be great. And she gets on stage. And oh my God, she rocks it. Like she rocks it like a pro. Mark, you know, Mark's little condescending thought was just totally off. And then I saw her list of accomplishments, who she is, what she does, how kick-ass she is. And first impressions, totally wrong. Totally wrong. I love my next guest. I've been trying to get her on the podcast. She's got so many irons in the fire. I've been trying to get her on the podcast now for a year. But officially, uh, Marsha Zaruba O'Connor is the CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group, a leading provider of talent acquisition and human resources consulting. The O'Connor Group is a top 100 women-owned business and certified by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. She is in the Philadelphia Journal's best places to work, most admired CEOs. Yeah, she, you're nodding because you know, like, yeah, I got this, I got this, the Philly 100 Awards. Uh, currently, she's the president for the Entrepreneurs Organization in Philadelphia. Uh, she loves helping entrepreneurs and has rolled out a new nonprofit initiative, which is really cool. It's geared towards helping female entrepreneurs. It's called shadowher.org. Like, like, this is why it's been so hard to get her on the podcast because she does a lot. Marsha, thanks for being here. Mark, wow. I just could listen to you all day. This is so nice to hear. So thanks for having me on here. And it's so good to see you again. 
Yeah, no, I've been a fanboy. I plopped down a bunch of money to to hang out with you and be a be be your friend. And then you and uh, Brian Post, who was also on the podcast, who I also fell in love with, were like, "Oh no, no, we're done with our our round of the of the thing." But I met a whole bunch of new people. But I'm glad that we're both doing this. We're both not feeling well, and you know, both of us suit up and show up anyway, right? So it's it's yes, into cool. the game. Mm-hmm. So. I, when I was doing research on this and figuring out what I wanted to talk to you about, I have a whole list of stuff, but on your LinkedIn, just like right there, it says you're, you're a talent strategist. Like your passion is for developing, finding and helping people with talent. What does that actually mean? Oh, that's a a great way to start off here, Mark, for sure. Um, So talent strategy is something in regards to people and their decisions about their next jobs and how they made decisions. I've always found it fascinating that that one time in their life could change their trajectory of where they're going to go the rest of their life. And when you really start listening, everybody has a story, number one. But number two, of realizing what's important to them and why they're doing it. And you can actually tell about if someone likes their job within the first minute. If you ask somebody, hey, do you love what you do? And when they pause, basically something's missing. And if someone says immediately, absolutely, like if you ask Brandon, you know, about his job and all, he's mm-hmm. immediate, the fast response, he loves what he does, he will always do that. The average person, really, they have to think about it. That usually tells me something's missing. And then I'll say to them, like, well, why are you doing what you're doing for so long? Because something that is missing. And lots of times they basically start telling themselves, well, I've been doing this for so long. You know, I have two homes. Oh, I have three kids in college. And they basically have given up on changing themselves because this is the status quo, it pays them well, it keeps them moving. What they don't realize is actually it's hurting their insides and the people around them because it actually really starts showing if you're not happy doing what you're doing. And I I don't believe for a minute that someone says, well, I'm stuck. I'm like, no, it's a mindset that you're stuck. They feel stuck, right? It it feels like, because everybody I talk to, it's like, I cannot change. Like God has nailed me to this ladder on this building. And this is where I have to stay because of all these responsibilities. And you help people see through that. I do. Yes. And we really have helped a lot of people change their careers and their trajectory of where they want to go and believe in them and just say, what do you love to do? And when you really ask that question, I love asking that in interview question. Most people do not do that. When they talk about that, like, was that personal or that business? I'm like, whatever comes to mind. And when they start talking about something, I'm always like, hmm, you're really doing this. It's a part-time thing. Why aren't you going full-time? Well, because of this and this. I'm like, well, what if I got you somebody who could help you to figure that out and put a business plan together to do it? And it's once they start doing it and having the resources around them and having someone believe in them, things start to happen. Wow. And, and how, how, how do you help people with the fear? So like when I, when I was 50 years old, I had a half million dollar a year job. I had an ex-wife. I had kids. I had, you know, it, 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 co- it cost me a good, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a month just to exist. And I cashed it all in and became a coach. Right? I'm kind of like Geronimo. They're like, how do you, how do you help people find the courage to make a change? You know, you all have to listen to their story first and figure out, you know, what they really want to do. You also have to find out they have the grit to change. Um, it doesn't come overnight. You have to be around people who are going to support you and really get it going. And you got to want it. You know, it's like losing weight. Same thing. You, you got to want it. And I think a lot of people either tell themselves they can't or they can. And there's a great book out there called The Alchemist. Phenomenal book. It is the reason why I started my company because I kept talking to my husband about, no, I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. And he just said to me one day, he goes, oh my God, he goes, could you just basically either do this 
or stop <laughs> talking about it because you're driving me crazy. And then, you know, two people had mentioned to me, you should read the book, The Alchemist. And I'm like, I'm not a voracious like book reader. I'm more of an audible person. But ironically enough, um, before I'm on vacation, true story, because someone was saying like, oh, The Alchemist is out. Oh, you should read The Alchemist. That book was on my desk two days before I went on vacation. And I was like, who puts this book here? And one of my colleagues like, well, I did. She goes, I thought I just got done reading it. I heard about it. Like you liked, you wanted to hear about it. So I put it here. You can read it if you like. And I said, oh my gosh, if this isn't the world telling me to read this book, I don't know what is. So I read the book. I go on vacation, read the entire book the whole time. I came back, told my husband, I said, you know what? I am going to quit. And he goes, okay. I said, no, 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 don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm the breadwinner. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, you were you the breadwinner of your family, right. right? And I said, he's like, okay. And I said, he's like, you'll find a way. And I sat there like, well, I'm glad you have that much confidence to me. And um, and so lo and behold, I went and I quit and I gave her a month, but she never gives somebody a month. It's too long. And ironically enough, I started that September 1st, 2007, so almost 16 years ago. And ironically enough, you know, my, my brother-in-law was like, well, I'm sure you had clients when you started. I said, I had zero clients, zero, none. It was that. And I said, I started basically, I had an $8,000 budget because that was my bonus. And I didn't have a ton in savings back then. And, you know, I said, I'm going to make this work. And I bootstrapped the whole thing. And here we are 16 years later, we have 73 employees. We're all over the country. Um, we're billing probably about 160, 170 clients a month. And, um, and sometimes I have to scratch, like, you know, pinch myself and say, oh my yeah. God, is this real? But you really have to believe in yourself. You have to be surrounded by people that believe in you as well. That is really key because there's a lot of people that really say they want you to do well, but they don't. You know, I had one old lady tell me, oh, that's so nice here that you're doing this. When are you going to get a real job? Mm. And I said, well, I'm hoping this is my real job and I hope I retire from this. But at that time, you know, 2007, it wasn't cool as much to be an entrepreneur as it is today, but you got to be, you got to have your your plan. I didn't have a true business plan. I didn't have, you know, pages and pages of business strategy. I just wrote down how I saw this to be and what I needed and how to make money and what that looked like. And so when you sit back and you sit back, people say to you, like, when did you get your first million in revenue? I said, well, to be honest with you, it took about seven years. Mm. And I said, people don't realize it didn't happen overnight. So when I hear an entrepreneur say, well, I should be, you know, my first year, I should be making a half a million and a million. I'm like, hmm, let's see your business plan. Like I said, because it's really hard to do that. And I don't think people realize, but you got to celebrate all the wins. It was a win to have 100. It was a win to have 250. It was a win to have, you know, a million. It's a win to have 2 million. And once you hit that level, it gets a little easier because then the water wheel sort of has its own shape to it. Just make sure all the people are the right people on the water wheel. So that's where we're at today. Nice. I remember I remember the first person who paid me $100 a session just kind of blew, blew my mind. I, I got to go back to the alchemy stuff. Yep. I'm really curious. Because I read the book, love the book. I've got the Warrior of the Light manual in my, you know, that I keep and all that. Yep. Uh, what about the book made you make the change? It was the coulda, shoulda, woulda. It was me constantly talking about doing this. And I knew I could do it better. I knew that I had so many people supporting me. My biggest thing was fear. I didn't understand mm -hmm. what was in the water. And not that I'm a control freak, but I guess according to my husband, I am. Mm -hmm. um, Right. I said, I didn't know it was in the water. And so I just was like, if I only had known or how, if I only had that one client, if I only did this. And I just said, I got to stop that and believe in myself and just do it. And I did. And I know how to stretch a dollar. Like I grew up with not much money at all. So I said, I give myself six months. I was realistic about it. I wrote my goals down. 
you know, and I had, I had hundreds of business cards. I was a big networker back then too. And I just said, how do you make a call? You pick up the phone. Hey, you want to do coffee? And that's what I started having all these ideas of, I don't need to have breakfast. I don't need to have lunch, but I had my little coffee card, you know, when someone met with me, I said, I'll pay for your coffee. Oh, okay. You know, and I would talk to people. Then I started getting mad because I'd have all these conversations, you know, 2007, 2008, they were tough times because a lot of people lost their jobs. So people looked at me, I was like, you're going to find me a job. I was like, well, I want to help you with two resources, but you're going to get your own job, but I'm going to help you at least with two people. So that one hour went really fast. And I said, I have to stop giving them a full hour. I said, half an hour, we're going to help you. And then the next half an hour, you're going to hear about what I do and how you can help me. And then what I would always do is a visual. I'd be like, these are the three things that I do if you could help me. And that was really instrumental because people are very visual. Yeah. They remember, they didn't remember all three, but they remember two. And then if they remember two, they talked to other people, the phone began to ring. And then boy, did it start to ring. And so you had to listen to what was needed, how to deal with the perception, the marketing behind it. Um, and I'd always follow up with them, make sure I got back to them, the two people. And I'm like, thanks for helping me. And they did help me. And then it just, the rest is history. Really, it's pretty cool. So how, let's let's talk about your your journey as a leader. I remember I remember you telling the story that you started off in your house and you know making yep. believe you had an <laughs> office and you know so you made believe that you were who you are today yep. uh, so that people felt comfortable doing business with you. What were the milestones in your leadership, not in your business, but in how you had to grow at each level of your business? Yeah, well, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, you know, I never had a business with employees before. So I had to figure out what that did. I also had to build the business, right? So when you're smaller and you have like 25 people, your leadership skills are very different than when you have 73 people. Because at that size, you have to work on still building the company, you know, new forms, new mechanisms, new reports and stuff like that while you're creating all that. And you have to manage your team to make sure that they're okay. And so it's really a tough time because you have to make sure that you are spending time on yourself as well as your team, as well as the growth, because you're the breadwinner, right? You're the business development person. Now, now I have a business development team. So they don't rely just on me to bring in sales. They don't rely on me on just the marketing. All those forms, all those things are so already let's set talk up. about Let's talk about that specific thing. We talk about as you move up through an organization, you have to let go of old responsibilities. I just yes. did a 364 woman and her team was, please let go of what your job used to be, yes. <laughs> right? And go do your new job and let go of, and let us do your your old, your old job. Um, how how did you let, because you you like things at a certain level, you, you know, you like things done a certain way. Uh, yes. And one of the reasons your business grew was because of you. Right. Uh, people wanted to do business with you. And now you had to transfer that to other people. How yes. did you how did you learn what to let go? How did you learn how to let go with and letting people fail and that kind of thing? Well, it's a great question. I started with my accounting and finance um, because I'm a former accountant. So here I am thinking I could do my own books and I'll get it started. No problem. Blah, blah, blah. Realizing it took a lot of time. And even like doing the checks for my my, my consultants and all took a lot of time. And then I met this great lady. She was um, an ex-CPNA from, from ENY, had her own bookkeeping company. And we just got it all along really well. She was starting her company. And I, I came in public. So she came from public. And I said, you know what? And she said, how about I take over your books? 
And I was like, whoa, what? And, um, you know, and she's yeah, like, how about you? How about you move into my bedroom? Like, like um... yeah, it was like, I, I don't know about this. And then she's like, just give me a section. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set you up on payroll. Okay. And then she really gave me some really good advice. And now she does all my bookkeeping and all my invoices and all the back end support that we have. But it was hard because I was like, let it go. And she would say to me, get the fingers off. I got this. And, you know, and behold, she's really good at what she does. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. This isn't my specialty. My specialty is with people and building and sales. And so I did that. I also, um, in 2016, I met a guy who was an implementer for EOS. And EOS wasn't a big name back then. Mm -hmm. And it is today. But, um, you know, I didn't, I knew I needed something to gel us all together and then give up certain things. And so when I sat down with him and he started talking about his, his program, I'm like, Eureka, I need that. And because I have sales up here, I have a little marketing down here. I have my service lines over here and we're really not talking to each other and I need to make them all talk to each other. And so on the whole, we did that. The cool thing with that is their accountability chart and their org chart on there. It really shows you all the hats that I was wearing. And I was mm -hmm. wearing when I did that seven hats. And, and so he coached me as saying, okay, your goal is to wear one hat and that's the CEO hat. He goes, it's going to take you a couple of years to get there, but now you know that you're wearing seven hats. So what are you going to do about that? And I said, hmm, well, one, I got to afford to pay those people to get there. So I had to have certain levels that I needed to hit for revenue purposes in order to hire that person to now take over that. But I also knew when I hired my salesperson, I said, you know what? That was hard for me too, because as CEO, mm -hmm. nobody does sales like us, right? And I said, you, I got to get over that because my role should be all strategic and moving the company forward. Um, and I love sales. I still get tied to it, but I'm not in charge of it anymore. How did, so how did you how did you teach your folks? Even a good salesperson isn't going to sell the way you want them to sell. They're not going right. to, you know, so how, do you, how did you transfer that knowledge? On the job training, Mark, um, I would have them go with me all the calls. I would have them come with me to all the meetings. I say, just listen. I want you to listen. I want you to, and then at the very end, I would say back in the car, so what did you pick up? And I wanted to hear from them the pieces. And then they didn't pick up something. I said, did you notice I did this? They're like, no. I said, exactly. I said, that's what you want to do. You want to walk in. You're just going to look at basically the pictures on the wall and the things on their desk. You're going to have that quick conversation. And I said, you know how hard it was for him to open up? And he's like, yeah. And that's, so what did I do? And then they'll be like, you did this. I'm like, exactly. And then what happened to him? And they're like, well, he basically calmed down because he felt as if you know you are a finance person. He's a finance person. And all of a sudden, he started really opening up. I said, exactly. So the first is shadow me, watch me do this. Yes. Then the next step is you let them run the meeting and you were there? or Yes. Uh, yes. And then you were like, you got it. I trust you. Go off and fly. And one of them, I mean, she's my sales and marketing um, lead now. She's phenomenal. She doesn't need me anymore. And now she's teaching her staff of how to do it what to say, what to do, you so, know, all the different pieces. So, yeah. So yeah. as she grows in her role, now it's her, it's her job to yes. do. So talk about yourself as CEO and coach, right? Yes. So you're, you're developing your people. Tell me about that part of your day and, and your focus. Well, honestly, it's just listening. I mean, I think most of my 25% a week is probably listening to your team. And I have to ask them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's home? You know, home is a big part in everybody's life. People forget to ask that question sometimes. And sometimes like, there are big things are going on. And as a leader, you have to listen to that and be like, hmm, I'm not going to get 100% of you today because that's going on and that's okay. 
but let's figure out what the better time to do this is because I'm not going to, you're not here. You know, you might say you are, but you're not. I know I wouldn't be. Your entire team ticks differently. It is not a one shoe fits all. And so you have to really understand what their pros, what their cons are and how to approach each person. Because some people I can tell immediately, hey, I think you could do better here with this. Great. Love it. What else could I do better? I have other people, very sensitive. It's also like, hey, do you think about maybe doing this instead? You know, that might be a good idea. Just a thought for you. Hmm. Okay. I didn't think of it that way. I'll, I'll definitely do that. You know, it's really figuring out how to talk to people and basically what their trigger buttons are to have them do what you didn't think they could do, what they didn't think themselves could do, but they do it. You know, so those things I do a lot. And I would say, you know, I still call people up. I call one of my team members the other day. She's just an amazing talent consultant on my team. And I just said, how you doing? She's like, hey, everything okay? And I was like, yeah. I said, I haven't <laughs> taught you in a while. I'm like, I'm going to say thank you for all your hard work. I know you're you're grinding in on both ends. And I just want to say thanks, you know? And she's like, thanks so much. I said, you're welcome. And I said, I don't ever want to get too big that I don't look as if I can call anybody down there and just say, hey, great job without them having like, oh crap, Marsha's calling me, you know? So I don't ever want that. It's not the kind of culture I want here. And I want it very honest and open, but don't take advantage of us. I do find there's a fine line there because of this hybrid stuff and all. And there are some people that do take advantage of it and they'll say they don't, but I'm realizing that they do. And it just hurts the other people because the other people are making it work and doing what they need to do. And it's really hard because listen, I trust everybody. I'll even give you second chances. But after that, you got to you got to own it, you know, and if I don't hear from you that you made that mistake and you didn't say it, then that tells me like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here because I want people who own it here. And it's not for the other people that do. Mm. I, um, I, you know, when listening to you, you're, you're such a warm person and you care and, and, and teaching leaders that to, to talk about the personal, to, to understand what's going on in people's lives is a two-edged sword because, you know, you're not somebody's friend, you're somebody's boss, yes. but you can be a boss with humanity, right? Yes. So how, how do you, how do you walk that line of holding people accountable, be having compassion for what's going, because we all got shit going on in our lives. Having compassion for that, but also holding people accountable to a standard that you need done. Well, I've been told that people don't like to disappoint me. And I sat there like, it's okay to make a mistake, though. I'd rather know about something going on than to hear about it afterwards. And sometimes, you know, I have a heart to heart with people and to say, what's going on? Because this isn't like you. You have to make a decision whether or not you want to be here because you're making mistake after mistake after mistake. And I said, it's not fair to other people. So you have, we have two choices here. You can either come to Jesus meeting and just say, hey, Marsh, this isn't working out. Or, you know, otherwise it's like, hey, you know what? Um, we can help you with that. And I think people are so afraid of doing that because they're so afraid of having a job. I say, but what you don't understand is that other people see it. Other people know it. And yeah, not only no that, <laughs> it's no secret. And, and not, your own body knows it. And so to me, I'm like, mm. you're doing yourself a disservice by not listening to your own body. And a lot of people don't realize that they'll stay, they'll say, they'll say, I've had someone when I laid them off, they're like, oh, I was hoping you laid me off. And I was after like, oh my God, why didn't you speak up sooner? Well, you know, I didn't want to disappoint you. I said, oh my God. And I said, we could have done this a month ago. It was, it's interesting, but there are other people too that, you know, one guy came on board and he had one issue after another issue, after another issue, after another issue. Then he's like, at the very end, after being a month, yeah, I'm going to give you my two weeks notice. I said, no, no, no. There's no need for that. I can take it today and we'll be done. And then he wrote back to me, oh, is this how you guys work? 
And I said, I'm sorry, we need a phone call now. And I said, um, we give you this, we did this, we took care of all that. You took all this PTO and and you only work three days the entire month. Like, so why would I give you two extra weeks? You're not even gonna work. Walk me through that. And I just sat down like, this isn't how you do business. And he was young. Oh my God, hold on, hold on. I don't want you to, I love the way you did that. You just kind of laid it on a plate for him. Instead of telling him what he did, you laid on a plate what is very plainly to see and then asked him to explain it, which is so much more powerful than being defensive and all that. That was that was a little masterclass right there. No, thanks. But you have to, you know, you can't assume you don't know what's going on in people's lives. And I like to be very honest with people and be like, hey, you know, maybe this is a great opportunity for you. And read between the lines, maybe you should take it. But I do say like accountability. And when I hear people pointing fingers, oh, Mark, that is something I just do not like. And I'm like, own it, take care of it. And I said, to me, that tells me that's like, you're not a good leader because everybody else has to go under the water with you. And that tells me that you're almost lethal. And so then I have other conversations with that. But, you know, it's really interesting because I try to say, hey, what happened? Walk me through your story. Walk me through your version. You know, what's happening with all that? And to be honest with you, it's like, let me do what I do best. Like I am very strategic. I love to build. I love to get out there. I love doing podcasts and working on shadow her right now. And all. But I don't really love like constantly fixing things. So to me, I'm like, if we're doing too much of that, then maybe I didn't hire the right people. Yeah. So again, how'd you learn to speak to people in a fashion that draws them out? Because I'm listening to you every every step of the way, your language is masterful. It's what I'm writing in the in the Rising Leader program, hoping people will take 20% of it, right? Because we're human, right? So yeah. as you actually talk through what you do, you draw people out, you're curious, yes. you're compassionate, and you're very clear on what what's needed. Did you learn this or were you always this good of a communicator? I think I learned it. I learned it primarily, you know, when I was younger, my sister was in the hospital a lot. And so I was like the holding my dad's hand while we're going up the elevators or, you know, going into the room and hanging out with different kids. And I would just, I would watch, I would, I'm a very good perception person. And I'd watch behaviors. I'd watch how they act. I'd act, I'd watch how they say and what they do and everything else. And then when you start realizing that and talking to other kids that are going through leukemia and pieces like that and how they talk and act and how some of them are so positive about, you know, they're having, they had a, IV hooked to their arms and they were so, so positive about life. They had no hair. You start realizing that and you would listen to doctors. We talked to a lot of doctors and nurses back then, but I would listen, you know, because back then, you know, my dad was a, you know, don't speak until spoken to kind of a thing. And so I was very perceptive and listening. And so we grew up with that, a lot of um, dysfunction in my own family. And I would realize how to talk to my dad, how to talk to my sister, how to talk to my mom. You know, ironically enough, I would teach my son how to talk to um, his dad, my husband. And I said, because there's certain things, like if your dad's in a bad mood, he loves baseball. I said, so let me just tell you a hint. I said, if you're getting in the car with him and he's not in a good mood, all you have to do is ask, hey, dad, what was it like to play baseball at eight years old? And lo and behold, I said, he is going to change his mind on the way home and things are going to change completely. And he did. He came home. He's like nine years old. He's like, mom, I tried that trick today and it worked like a charm. He goes, he is such a good mood now. He goes, he wasn't a good mood when he picked me up. And I sat there like, well, now you learn the perception. You understand how to deal with somebody. I said, that's sales 101. You have to understand your customer mm-hmm. first before you sell. What books do you recommend for people, for uh, leaders? 
oh my gosh, which one's Zonai? You know, there's so many. Um, I would say Atomic Habits is a big hot one right now. Unreasonable Hospitality, the rule of 95.5. Oh, it's nice. really good. Um, your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David, phenomenal. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you want to figure out like what's next in your life, that's a must. Absolutely. The self-driven child, believe it or not, if you have kids and all too, but I look at employees sometimes very similar. Um, and the self-driven child is a really good book too, as to how to deal with people and, and like listening to what they're saying to basically get what you need out of them. But basically something else is going on. And that's really, really good. And then also to the art of possibility, you know, it's figuring out, you know, if you have an instance of something happening, you know, how to take it and really make that a, a big thing. So what's a possibility? Stop having your um, your fears right here. And like, wow, look at this, this popped through. And this is what happened out of it, like a symphony. So really, really cool books, I would say for leaders, and obviously the alchemist, I'm a big believer in that too. Everything that you're talking about is influencing skills. Yes. Your listening is your influencing superpower. When I have one chapter where, you know, everything is sales, right? Everything is enrollment conversations. Your job is to get your team on board. Your job is to get your boss on board. Your job is to get your customers on board. Your, yes. you know, your job is to sell your ideas, right? Is that something that you, that you, that you teach your team, uh, that it's your job to, to get people on board with the way you want to go? Um, I think for the ones that pick it up, yes. There are some people still probably they don't always get that. Even, you know, I always tell people, you can bring the horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. You can't change people. You can influence people. You can influence their decisions, but you can't change them. And so what you have to do as a leader is automatically understand quickly as to whether well, this person is going to be a leader in your company. And basically, if they're not, you know, too, you got to figure out how they're going to play a part. But then you have to have those conversations, too, because it's really important that people don't realize that sometimes. And they think that they are that a lot of people are not self-aware. And it's a shame because they'll be like, well, I can do this and this and this. I'm like, yeah, but that is true. You are phenomenal at this. But where a little bit more weakness is over here. And that's what I'll do, like assessments with them and things like that. And I'll say, so because of this assessment, it's sort of validating the reason why I'm not going to have people report to you because you like that person, you like to be in the limelight. And I said, and now because like you become a sales manager, you're not in the limelight anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about your people being in the limelight. And I said, I need you. But I can't have you report people report to you because you're never going to make them feel amazing. I said, you want yourself to feel amazing. And so nothing wrong with that. And they get mad at me and everything else. I disagree. I'm like, that's totally fine. And I said, I, I would hope you prove me wrong. I want you to prove me wrong. I said, but unfortunately, the data behind it is telling me already what I already know. And I said, so I see this. I see this. But this is where I think you're going to be better fit. And some people are okay with it. Some people leave because of it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You know, my job as basically CEO of this company is to put all the right people in the right blocks to move this company forward so that they have a job every single year. With it's benefits. almost never personal. The way you talk about it, it's almost never personal. It's, you know, these this is your skill set. It fits over here. It doesn't fit over here. If you want to stretch, you know, let, let's talk about that. Uh, but why would you want to? Because you're just so well suited here. There's nothing wrong with being a star and wanting the attention that we can actually use that for something. But yes. let's not put you in charge of other people who need to be stars. Right. Exactly. It's, just, it's just so uh, you're, you're dropping such simple wisdom. I'm, I want to go back to your son in the car. Mm -hmm. I love the way he said it was a trick. Some people would think of it as manipulative. <laughs> and I think of it as leadership. I think of it as taking responsibility 
for your part of the conversation to forward to make the best out of what it is because you know i get a lot of complaints all the time my boss is this my boss is that my ceo is this you know and and i think i start to talk about what can you do to soothe the beast what can you how can you take responsibility for the relationship even if they're misbehaving and you taught your son exactly that not being a doormat right? Not being codependent, but how do you move things forward so you're the most effective? And that that little story with your son was so effective for me. Thank you. And he, he uh, he's funny because he has a side business and uh, obviously a videography. Of course and, he does. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And, uh, and it's so funny because he's really good in sales. And I sat there laughing. I said, you know, I really do think sales is in your thing. He's like, mom, I don't think I want to do sales. I want to learn about like, you know, finance and wealth management. And I said, hmm, but you have a knack in sales because you know now how to pick up on these conversations and what they're good at and you take it and you move it to the next level. And I said, and once you have them right there, they're going to buy from you because there's a trust. And I said, so that is the secret behind sales. And, you know, I wanted to get in sales so badly. Uh, I didn't have sales background. I had I had recruiting and people don't look at it as sales. It's definitely sales, by the way. Um is definitely sales, but at the time they didn't. And um, and so ironically, I said, I want to be in business development and go in sales full time. And they're like, well, you're going to need more experience than that. And I said, no, I think I'm ready. And um, and see, the place that I was at said, well, you know, we don't really have an opportunity. I said, that's okay. I'm going to find a place to have it. And so I went to a place and she said, I said, hey, great, I'm here. How do I do sales? And she's like, oh, you'll pick up. And you know what I was looking for? I was looking for that just, what's the formula? What's the magic trick? I'm an accountant. So tell me the form. Everything has a formula. And so I kept asking all these questions. And then she's like, oh, you'll just pick up. And I actually went to, I had a good friend of mine who runs Sandler training. And I just said, can I do a few few classes with you just to hear? And he just said, absolutely. And it really came down to like, you know, what are they hungry for? What's missing basically? And basically, you know what? Basically, they don't have that they are just keeping up at night. And when you start asking those questions, you have sales. You know, and if you can provide that and provide good service, you have continuation of sales. And I think people don't realize that they're looking for so much more. But when you really break it down to just those three things, and I always ask what's missing. And when people are like, well, we could have done this and this and this. I'm like, did you think about doing it this way? Like, no, but do you offer that? Yes. Yes, we do. And so the next thing you know, you have these sales. And so I try to teach him, you know, I can't tell him what to do. He's 22 years old. God forbid. Um. But I could say to him, like, listen, we had we did this last week. I said, you know, you have a good tan. Your hair looks really good. I said, your LinkedIn picture probably could use a little touch up. I said, maybe today, sunny outside. How about we just take a quick picture? Because your tan, look, you look so good in your tan. Oh, okay. Well, you don't want to do that at a half an hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a quick shower. I'll take it. Just show me what to do with the camera and hope I'm as good as you, but we'll see him. So I took these pictures of him, right? And they look so good. And it's so funny. He's like, I look pretty good. He's like, yeah, I really like these. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, I'm going to upload it to my LinkedIn. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, the phone's been ringing off the hook for him. The LinkedIn messages have been coming in left and right. I said, oh, so glad you updated your picture. He's like, yeah, that was a good idea, mom. I'm like, oh, okay. And it was just so funny because you just... You know, you got to leave the horse to the water sometimes because otherwise you can't tell them what to do, but yeah, you can yeah. provide the ideas behind it. Another, another, another little masterclass. So, um, what it, you know, is is uh, shadowher.org your latest thing that you're excited about? Yes, we just uh, kicked it off in March of this year. So, what is do it? You know how, do you know how it got started? No. Yeah. So, you know, Jeff Hoffman was part of Brandon's mastermind. 
And he interviewed me out in um, Orlando last June. And he was talking to me about my business and how like you guys have a really phenomenal operations, how you guys are very streamlined and yada, yada. And he goes, and you bootstrap the whole thing. You really should have women, successful women entrepreneurs shadow you. And I said, oh my God, I said, that's it. I said, I've been trying to give back and do something for women entrepreneurs. I want to create something called Shadow Her. And so I literally went that night to Domain and I found shadowher.org. I bought it. And the next day he interviewed me on my little, our little videos that we do with the mastermind. And ironically, he just said, yeah, I can't believe because last night we're talking about it. And he goes, this is typical Marsha. You know, you go out and you buy the domain and you're talking about it. And now you're telling me in 12 months, you're going to have this whole thing set up. I said, yep, just give me 12 months. And so ironically, I sent him a message. I said, you're not going to believe us, but shadow her about live. March 2023, I beat my 12 months. And I said, I'd love to have you as the closing for our grad- first graduation, December. Are you available? And ironically, the day before he's in New York. So he's going to take a train down here. Oh, that's be so amazing. Of- what people, don't know, people don't know is Jeff Hoffman was the CEO of Priceline. And he travels the world doing so much entrepreneur work, charity work. Like the man is giving back like crazy. And that he thinks enough of Marsha to get on a train to come see her and her organization tells you who Marsha is. So awesome. So excited to have them. But yeah, we're doing great. We have six mentees this uh, this course. We're hoping for 10 next year. I said, you got to build it to grow it to see it. And uh, we might be getting, a, we have a podcast now for it as well. Obviously the Shadow Her podcast. Um, and we're about to be taken up oh, probably one of the local TV channels here too. So, so much great things. I actually took one of my people from TOC and I actually made her a full-time hire and Shadow Her. I needed somebody to be my associate director behind the scenes because there's so much going on with that. So, so exciting. But you know what? Sky's the limit. You know, you have to put things in front of you that you want to do. If you say no, then the universe shuts down. It totally does. And if you say yes, and what's out there for me, I'm ready to go. And I love telling this to my sales team. I say, say the name of that sales group like three or four times a week and manifest it. And lo and behold, we typically hear from that client within that week. So it's really cool, but you got to be open to the universe to basically be allowed in. Most people have a stop sign in front of them. You got to put that stop sign aside and be like, I'm ready. Okay, we're going into the metaphysical portion of our conversation. If people want more of you, where can they find you? Oh, absolutely. On my website, it's really simple, tocgrp.com. We have a great info area that you can get on our newsletter that comes out every two weeks, which is great tippets. Or you can email me, moconnor, all O's, M-O-C-O-N-N-O-R, at tocgrp.com. Or I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty accessible. We will put all those links in the show notes so you don't have to remember any of that. Marsha, I'm like, we did it. We finally did this. I'm so excited. I really appreciate your time and attention. I love what you do for the world. Uh, you are you are a uh, shining example for me on how to how to be a leader in the world. So I'm so glad I got you recorded. Thank you for being here. Mark, thank you so much. I'm so excited about your progression and where you're going and how you're doing it and changing people's lives and right back at you, buddy. I'll be on, I'll be on the same stage you were on last year. That should be fun. Everybody else, I so appreciate your time and attention. You know, Marsha just showed us how to effortlessly be yourself and be a leader. I took so much from this conversation. I love you a ton. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.